Hello and welcome to a new version, a new show on this same podcast feed that will have no noticeable, you know, format differences or real content differences, differences except for the fact that it's going to be focused mostly on the big franchise stuff. Now, just to give a quick background, um, I kind of wanted to separate the big franchise stuff from the other stuff, just normal sort of movies, um, like one-off movies that I watch, because I feel like they take up a much larger... Uh, I don't know. It's just a much, a much bigger topic generally because there's such large cultural products and I feel like shoving the two things together makes me kind of neglect the smaller stuff. So I think this will be good and interesting. Um, and for as long as this show exists, I'm probably just going to keep messing with the format. So, yeah, this is the first episode of Call Cast Beyond. And I just added Beyond on into it and changed the color of the podcast cover. So there we go. We're going to talk a little bit about Black Widow today. going to talk a little bit about Loki today. I've recorded this already, but I don't think I did a very, a very good job. So I'm going to re-record this and see how it goes. Black Widow, I liked a decent amount. Um, one thing that I've, I think I've mentioned before, but I will likely mention for years to come, is that the biggest thing I have going into most big franchise blockbusters is I try to manage my expectations. I I would much rather be impressed by something than disappointed. So I set my expectations probably like a couple ticks below where they should be. So when I go in, I can kind of look at the good stuff, look at the stuff I wasn't expecting and be surprised. Um, and then if I really don't enjoy something, then it's pretty bad. So for all these franchise blockbusters like the Marvels, the DCs, the whatevers, um, the Star Warses, I set my, my expectations a little lower so I can come in and be impressed. So I did that with Black Widow. And I don't think that's a very common thing that people do for a lot of these movies because I think it's... Most people's watching habits are kind of consumed by... And this isn't a criticism of anyone at all, but consumed by a lot of these blockbuster things because they're just kind of like this thing to see or you're just watching whatever else you like, whether that's sort of rom-com kind of stuff, uh, teen high school movies. Everyone's got their thing. Um, I watch weird crime movies, so it's, you know, it's each their own. But that's what I did going into Blackwood. I was kind of like, okay... Let's kind of lower expectations. It's been a while. You're not used to this. And it it, I, it did pretty well for me. Um, I, I think it's 
top half of my Marvel ratings, which are on my letterboxed account under my lists, which I think is labeled Marvel, which is very creative, I know. Uh, yeah, so it's it was a top half Marvel movie for me. It, it felt a little different. And I think it felt a little different because it sort of mixes in the the a, a sort of James Bondian international spy thriller esque kind of thing, and that's a to equate it to something like that is a little aggressive. But I see Marvel movies as kind of their own genre, and then you kind of they're either a Marvel movie. Or they're a Marvel movie and a little bit of something else. And then I think Black Widow was a Marvel movie and a little bit more than a little bit of a spy movie, if that makes sense. Which is something I enjoyed. Uh, I, I find I like spy movies. I like James Bond. And I like international intrigue, generally. And I kind of enjoyed it. And then on top of that, you've got entertaining characters by played by likable actors and actresses. Or just actors, I'm not sure, whatever you prefer to be called. And, yeah, the, I I didn't see the negatives that it seems like some people saw in Black Widow. Uh... I've, you know, it's it's still just a Marvel movie. So if you're coming in expecting to watch the next great thing, I think I put this in my review on Letterboxd. If you're coming in to watch the next great American film, you're not going to find that in something made by Disney because that's not the point. The point is to just kind of make money, entertain as many people as possible, and... You know, maybe push some radical ideas if uh, the bottom line suggests to. Uh, A couple things that I think this movie does differently than most Marvel movies is most Marvel movies and most superhero movies as a whole tend to hinge on the villain. Is the villain good? And if the villain's not good, the movie will be seen as not as good. And this is, there's this sort of like, and I, again, not trying to degrade anything, but there's a sort of fetishization of the characters of the Joker played by uh, Heath Ledger and Killmonger and Thanos where you're like, this is what superhero movies need. This kind of villain is what they need to be successful. And I don't really think that's true. There was a large chunk of Marvel movies that I, I, for the most part, I enjoy. That the villain is not great. And a lot of people say that's Marvel's sort of villain problem. But I don't think it's a problem if you make the hero aspect entertaining. I... I don't think Marvel has a villain problem. I think they have a hero problem and an entertaining dialogue problem and entertaining visual filmmaking problem as well. 
But like, you can't watch Iron Man and go, Obadiah Stane's not a fantastic villain. He's really in like 15, 20 minutes of the movie if you take out the long fight scene at the end. Like, he's really not in the movie that much. But Iron Man is incredible. It's probably one of my favorite. It's a top five MCU movie for me. Um, and, I, you know, it's because Tony Stark is such an entertaining character and the story's entertaining and that it's a just an entertaining movie. So if you make a good movie with a good story, yeah, you need a villain and you need an antagonist. But if you make one of the parts really entertaining, you can kind of give up on the part that's not as important, which is the guy who's dead at the end of the movie. So, you know, I I don't think this movie, and I'm not sure if this is a criticism that is kind of being levied at at Black Widow, but I don't think it has a villain problem because I don't think you need a very hands-on villain in this movie because everything else is so entertaining and you've got such an entertaining cast like Scarlett Johansson who is a bit strange as Black Widow like just the character is kind of strange it doesn't really unlock her whole sensibility Um, and Scarlett Johansson's a fantastic actress Uh, Florence Pugh who's also a fantastic actress and really just entertaining in the movie and like has a sort of physical presence that you you rarely see when people come from uh, are are fairly new into the industry and also come from movies that aren't action movies, which is sort of a like there's a reason why wrestlers keep getting like these big wrestlers keep getting popular or cast in movies, and it's because they know how to control their physical presence so well. Like that's the rock's whole thing. John Cena is quite good at it. And Dave Batista is also very good at it. Now Dave Batista is not a f- fantastic actor in my estimation, but also like it's not super important that he is when he can fill the screen so well. He's also just very large and just kind of a s- stereotypical action hero sort of thing uh archetype bold body uh you've also got david harbour in this who's a great actor who doesn't work as much as i feel like he should and maybe that's just because he's picky with his projects or sort of typecast in a way but i don't think he should be um the last couple of things i've seen him in aside from black widow or like no sudden moves stranger things and there he did that weird thing with like Frankenstein or something for Netflix. But he's a cop in No Sudden Move and, and Stranger Things. Which is sort of like what John, John, what John Mamm is. What John Hamm does now is he's just kind of a cop. Which, you know, if you're making money, just do it. But uh, you've also got Rachel, Rachel Weisz, who is just like a fantastic actress so when you've got a very good uh cast for this family of heroes you can kind of soften the impact that the villain has to have 
something kind of spicy just found its way into my mouth. That's interesting. Anyway. Uh, what the fuck was I saying? I got so distracted there. Um, oh, yeah. So when you've got such an incredible cast of actors and actresses, it's... It's pretty easy money sniper if you if I'm being honest. Like you you don't need to have some sort of grand villain with uh a plan that's too 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 big um and like completely radical. So, I think Drakov who's the leader of the Red Room and like the leader of the Black Widows is a pretty good villain and you've also got Taskmaster who's also a sort of antagonist who is pretty interesting. Now I'm going to spoil a little bit here, but I was pretty disappointed not by the reveal that it was his daughter, that's a little predictable, but by the fact that it seems like the Taskmaster has turned good or at least not evil. And I'd like to see Taskmaster again. I think that's a really interesting character. And it's got... They've got... She, I guess. Has some of the most visually interesting, like... uh, Powers. It's not really a power, but visually interesting, like... Attributes, I guess. uh, Of anyone in the MCU. Because it's like a pure action. It's a pure fighting... Uh, pure fighting, like martial arts based, not power, but it, you know what I mean, because it's more of a robotic thing than a, I think, than a, than a mental thing. But I, I don't know. It seemed like there was a lot of robotics going on there. Uh, yeah. So Black Widow, we get to the ending. I'm not really gonna talk about the in-depth details of the plot because probably should watch it if you're going to listen to a review about it and if you just want to know if it's good you could look up on metacritic or something just to get a rough idea but we get to the ending and it kind of suffers from the marvel ending problem which i think is a legitimate problem that these movies have and the TV shows as well also have this. Where up until the end, no character is really changing or uh, evolving. And loose ends aren't being tied up along the way. And then at the very end, we've got to do a bunch of stuff in the last 15 minutes, 10 minutes, and also have a big action spectacle. And in the la- in the recent years the effects at these the end of these things have suffered. Um not including like Endgame even though Endgame is some problems but like Black Panther's uh, finale uh the final fight does not look good at all. It looks like a fucking ps2 game it's ridiculous 
And the Black Widow one kind of has that as well. Now, I wasn't watching it on a big screen, so I didn't really... I don't know if I fully noticed it. Maybe it looks better on a big screen, but I was watching it at home. Though I might watch it in theaters. Or actually, no, I will watch it in theaters this weekend. Going with some friends. First time back to the movies in a long time since I saw... Uh, what the fuck? What was that Pixar movie where they're elves? Over Onward. Onward. Since I saw Onward and then went to Eastside Mario's and then Justin Trudeau told me to get the fuck home. Anyway, Justin, it's okay. So it's got the Marvel ending problem. And there's also a problem, this story inherently has a problem because of when it's set and who it's about. Now, I was listening to the big picture. Cross that off your bingo cards. I was listening to the big picture and one of the hosts, Amanda, said she has no clue what was what really happened in Endgame, which is quite valid because she hasn't watched it since release. So if people are coming into this without watching, like without having a knowledge of what happens in Endgame, which you know, maybe I would pray to someone if they could, if I could, I don't want to not know what happens in Endgame, but I don't want to know how much I know, if that makes sense. I'd like to be somewhere in the middle. But if you go into this movie not really connected to everything else, you could have a fun time because you don't know that Black Widow's supposed to be dead. Now, the, and this is also one of the big flaws that I think Marvel just kind of fucked up. Uh, they should have done this movie like five years ago. And I don't think that's an an, an, an original talking point. But, but I think it's just the truth. Like, I don't understand why there wasn't a Black Widow movie five years ago. So, there's a bit of a problem there. But I... Yeah... Not a lot of these Marvel movies have real stakes, if we're being honest. Except for maybe Infinity... Well, Infinity War does, but not really also. Because we know contract details. We know how comic book work. We know how movie work. They're not going to kill Hero at the end. And they're meant to entertain and they're meant for kids. So it's not going to be a tragedy at the end. Which is fine. But I think that's a point that you have to kind of deduct off the movie. And I think I'm going to revise my Letterboxd review after this. Maybe revise my rankings. Because I'm bringing up a lot of points I didn't think about earlier. So we've got the problem with the stakes. And we've got the problem with the Marvel ending. But we also have some goods, like Yolanda, played by Florence Pugh. Great. I'm excited to see her in future stuff. Uh, the post credit scene, if you'd want that spoiled for you, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character, who's like Countess Valerian, whatever the fuck, uh, who was in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and recruited uh, Wyatt Russell is talking to Yolanda. I think her name's Yolanda. 
I'm pretty sure it is. She's talking to Yolanda, and she's like, you got to go kill Clint, kill Clint Clarton. You got to go kill Clint Barton because he killed your sister. So it seems like she's gathering a, a sort of team. And she started it back around the Civil War days because that's when this movie's set. Or I guess, no, that's post-Endgame. So never mind. Redact that statement. Because that post credit scene is post endgame because she's fucking dead. <sighs> anyway. I think Black Widow's good. And I think the Marvel movies in general are good. And they're highly watchable. And I'm another thing I'm sort of worried about, and I've experienced this a little bit with the TV shows, and we're gonna get to Loki quite soon is that they're hard to recommend. We're in such a late stage, and everything about Marvel is conflated, where people feel like it's all it all has to be related to each other. So if we're 25, like 27, whatever, pieces of content in, and pieces of content range from two to six hours, two to se- seven, how long is WandaVision? Eight? eight hours, two to six hours, somewhere around there. You know, that's a big commitment. That's a hard thing to catch up on. It's like trying to start Grey's Anatomy fresh. Like, it's daunting. So it's hard to recommend Marvel things to people, even if it's in the sort of genre that they like. And I think this could be, if it wasn't named Black Widow, if it was named like fucking, I don't know, anything else brown recluse and wasn't a marvel movie then i think you could probably recommend it to people but you know if you go oh you should check out this marvel movie it's like uh, i don't know what's i don't know what happened i don't know what's going on really and i think that's gonna start to hurt marvel soon um i've been talking i've got a, a group of boys that i talk to and they're my age so it's not creepy unless i want it to be and we we sort of every once in a while we'll gather and sort of do a pilgrimage to the theaters to see one of these big franchise blockbusters we'll see like a new star wars the last one we did was uh rise of skywalker quite disappointing <laughs> um but we also went to see endgame but since the pandemic started and since the show started coming out, some of the guys have just kind of not because there's other things to do. And that makes sense. And I live alone, so I don't really have other things to do. So I watch these things. So when I go, hey, have you guys seen Loki? Some of them are like, yeah, it's good. And those are usually the guys that live either by themselves or not directly with friends. And some of the guys were like, well, I haven't seen WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier. And I'm like, yeah, they're not really connected, though. But then it's like, yeah, but I kind of, you know, I probably should if I'm gonna. And then it's becoming a burden to catch up, especially with these shows. I wonder if that got picked up on the mic. My entire lower half just grumbled like a I don't even know, like a creaky old wooden door. That's it. That was 
And we could we let a little toot out there too, boys. So Marvel is kind of hurting itself with all the stuff it's putting out. And the fact that they announced 85 shows all at the same time is not helping their case either. So I there's a difference between the enjoyment level I had for Black Widow and every uh, all of the TV shows. I enjoy Black Widow much more than I've enjoyed all of the TV shows, including Loki. Because I think the movies have just kind of figured it out. And eventually the TV shows probably will figure it out as well. But that's a bit harder of a task. Because you've got to span such a long time. And if you're going to do a season two, you've got to figure out how to keep them coming for the season two. But also close up the loops for season one. And you've got to figure out how to mix it with the movies. But, you know, people are going to go see the movies. The movies are the staple. So if you put too much about what's going on in the movies and the TV shows, people aren't going to understand what's happening in the movies, which is something that Loki, I think, did pretty well in the last episode. So Marvel is in a strange place. Um, But I'm still excited for the movies and the TV shows. I'm excited for What If. I think that's going to be good. So... Yeah, let's let's move on to talking about one of the TV shows. Let's move on to Loki. Now, Loki episode six, Loki finale. If you've been listening, and there's one person that I bl- I know has been listening, if you've been listening, you will uh, think you will know that I am a little cold on on the Marvel TV shows and on Loki. Uh, I haven't really enjoyed Loki as much as it seems like most people are enjoying Loki. And I've got a couple reasons for why that is. But let's just talk about episode six. Because I'm going to, after that, I'm going to go through the whole season. And just kind of figure that out. Okay, so Loki episode six. I'll give a, a bit of a minor rundown. But um, I'm not going to go into big details because I just hate when sort of reviews do that so after seeing this sort of castle thing at the end of episode 5 we finally go inside the castle which was pretty obvious Uh, and Loki and Sylvie go in there and they meet one of the three people I thought it could have been now the first and most likely option from you know consuming media around this is Kang the Conqueror so I was like it's probably gonna be him even though Jonathan Majors who plays Kang the Conqueror said he doesn't know anything about Loki which is probably in his contract the second option I thought of was maybe another Loki variant one that kind of figured out how to control the timeline And then another one I thought was like maybe outside shot, maybe something like Doctor Doom or someone like not even on the radar. But I have no clue if Doctor Doom has control with the, like any history with the timeline at all. And it ended up being Kang the Conqueror and Jonathan Majors, who I enjoy quite a bit. I like him a lot as an actor and, you know, I think he's good in pretty much everything I've seen him in, which 
I think is just Last Black Man of San Francisco and another movie I'm completely forgetting right now, which is pretty sick to do. But if I looked on his IMDb, which I can't because I don't have my phone, or do I? No, I don't. Um, I don't know. I like Jonathan Majors as an actor, and I think he's quite a good actor. So we, Kang the Conqueror is the ruler of the TVA and controls the timeline. Okay. Then what is the big climax? Like, what is the finale of, of the series as a whole? Well, who would have guessed it but a, a conversation in a room where people are just sitting down for the most part. Actually, where the Lokis in the, in the conversation are just sitting down and looking at people sort of stunned, uh, which has happened for the entire season and been one of my biggest problems, even though I haven't clearly vocalized it, I don't think. But it wasn't as insufferable as I thought because Jonathan Majors is like, he's really good in the scene. He's really good in the episode. And he kind of brings life to this conversation that would otherwise, otherwise be incredibly boring. Because both Sylvie and Loki are not good at having conversations. And maybe it's some sort of direction thing where they have to be as still as possible and be as like monotone as possible and not really have interesting dialogue. Well, that's a writing thing. But like it's for a show that know or you know knew or sort of learned about its circumstances of production i don't think they did a very good job of adapting to it um they just kind of shoved people in rooms and maybe didn't rethink how they should be conveying information to each other like a visual way or in a more interesting vocal way so I didn't mind the, the sort of conversation wrapping up thing with Kang the Conqueror where he explains like what, how he got to where he is and sort of who he is without saying his actual name, I don't think. And the other part of the episode is quite minor, but it's Mobius uh, and Renslayer who are talking and we kind of get Renslayer's crisis of faith which was kind of building in the last two episodes, three episodes, I'd say, ever since Sylvie told Mobius or someone told Mobius that they're all variants. So we get that, which is interesting, which I liked a, a fair amount. And then we also get the Minutemen uh, going to see... Renslayer's variant which I don't know is sort of inconsequential as a whole because nothing really comes up with comes out of it as far as I know but it was pretty inconsequential to the episode and I don't know the the, sh the show ends the season ends on a bit of a cliffhanger because, spoiler alert, Sylvie kills Kang after he tells her that it will be almost instant chaos. 
if she kills him. And it's kind of where the show ends. Now, there's a point in the conversation that I did like quite a bit where they pass the threshold, I believe is what it's called. And Kang or Jonathan Majors sort of attitude towards the conversation kind of completely flips, which I thought was interesting because he was caught off. uh, He was caught by surprise as well, which is something that he spent like fucking 15 minutes talking about how he doesn't get caught off uh, by surprise, caught by surprise, caught off guard, caught off guard. That's what it is. And then after the the whole credits thing, we we see that Loki's going to have a season two, which kind of just makes you realize that this is the midpoint and like this is just the turning point of the story and that they probably had a season two mapped out before season one was even made because the consequences of this episode are not uh, story-ending consequences. They are story-opening consequences in terms of the fact that there's a thousand different things that could happen now and a thousand different events that they could deal with and are I'm going to have to deal with, I guess. And I don't know how I feel about that. I, I feel like they should... Because there's no closure at all, really, in the season. Like, nothing... I don't think a single storyline gets tied up. Which is a fascinating choice. Because at some point, you're going to have to end it. And that is usually at the end of a season. If you don't know what the end of a season is. And... If you don't end it or give us some sort of closure at the end of a season, what was the point of watching the whole season? Why not just do the whole show? Like, just record the whole 12 episodes or something and give us the show instead of giving us half the show. If, does, is, it what I'm making, if, 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 is what I'm saying making sense at all? I just feel like they gave us half the show and I, it's kind of cheap that they put me through three or four episodes of near nothing, no real character development, no real interesting sort of environments or explorations of things. Um, They rush you through character development in the first episode, and it's like, okay, now we're done with that because now he's, now Loki is uh, like not the guy that we literally, he literally was 45 seconds ago. And then he's the same person for the whole show and then doesn't really change near the end. So what the fuck is the point of what I watched? Like, what is the point of what is the point? What is the point? I know these things don't always have like huge consequences, but there's got to be a fucking point. Like, there's got to be some sort of ending if you're going to give me a season of TV. If you're going to give me a season of TV, at the end of the season, there better be something that happens. Because 
something happened. I shouldn't say something that happens. There better be closure because something happened, but that doesn't solve anything. So we've gone from basically nowhere to nowhere. Still, we're still in the dark. And I just, it's just disappointing. So I'm, I just, I don't know. This, this show has, let's go. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to cool down a little bit. I just ripped the big one. I'm going to cool down a little bit and I'm getting a little heated. So we're going to talk about some things that I liked about the show and then I'll rip back into it in a little bit. Strengths, Jonathan Majors and Owen Wilson, kind of. Uh, That one's pretty self-explanatory. I just like those two guys. The aesthetics and Miss Minutes. I'm always going to love like an old-fashioned kind of cartoon info dumper, like in Borderlands or something like that. Uh, I liked Renslayer's sort of crisis of faith if it was at all closed. Um, I think that's an interesting idea, but maybe, dude, I find it so fucking mind boggling that they couldn't have fit two these, whatever these two seasons are into one when literally nothing happens in the middle of the se- of this show. Like nothing really important happens. You're kind of treading water for three or four episodes and we get no closure at the okay i'm getting heat okay <sighs> let's go to weaknesses conversation dynamics and consequences every conversation in the show pretty much was either between loki and mobius or loki and sylvie loki and mobius conversations were essentially exposition they were talking about where people would be, what Loki has done, and what they're going to do next. Loki and Sylvie were, I guess, to make this convoluted fucking romance plot work, which is... I, I forgot that that happened until right now, and it's so disappointing. Because I... I don't understand. I don't know why. I don't. I have no clue why they're in a relationship. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. So, conversations are either expository or uh, trading one liners or pretty uncreative as a whole. And then they're shot also pretty basically, which I talked about before, but is kind of a symptom of the whole Marvel, the whole fucking Marvel thing that they do where they, I don't know, I'm getting actually disappointed right now and I've got to keep my spirits up because I've got shit to do tonight. The next thing on the weaknesses is character arcs through the middle of the season said this before not much really happens in terms of characters no one really changes except for loki in the first 45 seconds of the show 
and their convoluted love story. And Sylvie... I don't even fucking know what happens with her. If I'm being completely honest, I have no clue. I don't think anything happens. She goes from wanting to end the TVA from wanting to end the TVA and not really caring about this, this other person. Like they don't have to, they don't have to fucking date. Not everyone has to fucking kiss at the end of a fucking show or movie. Just, be just be have them be friends do people not have friends do people who make movies not have friends who are the the other sex are they all steve harvey do they not believe that you can do that like what it why is everyone kissing all the time i sound like such a a nasty little prude right now but i don't understand why everyone's always kissing in in movies and shows where like it really doesn't matter if they kiss or not like this, it's like the end of fucking Star Wars. This Rise of Skywalker. Why Why are they kissing? They've literally been trying to murder each other for three. He's been trying to kill her for three movies. And now they're going to lock lips? Another weakness was some of the effects. I've explained this like multiple times throughout this but um lack of consequences and tension through the middle of the season you know marvel does have a consequences problem it's either the end of the world or the end of the world that's those are the two options unless it's spider-man homecoming so you know maybe we could figure out how to fix that uh overall i think it I'm not, I don't even want to give one of these shows the best show because I think they're all just kind of mediocre. Like, I don't, I don't know. You've got to give... I'm sure the people who worked on these projects are incredibly creative. And you can see that at times, that these people are incredibly creative and incredibly good at what they do. But in a TV show you're going to have to give up a little bit of the reins to the creatives on this. Like with a movie, there's a pretty structured, it's pretty structured and you can kind of get away with controlling things in a, in the sort of minute way that, that Marvel does. But in TV, you've got to do something a little a little better than what we got. Because, like, the shows feel rushed, especially Falcon Winter Soldier. There's no real consequences between episodes. Like, I'm, I don't know what I'm expecting to happen. Like, we need something. We need something to grab onto. And if the characters aren't given enough time to be interesting, then the characters aren't going to be interesting. And if you can't make the characters interesting in the time that they're given because of whatever, or like the resources that you have, maybe rethink it and maybe try to figure out a different way to do it. But 
I I don't know. These all these shows I think got kind of hurt by the Marvel or Disney or whatever the Marvel process. Anyway, <clears throat> they haven't figured TV out yet, and I can say that with full confidence that they have n- they have no clue what they're doing in TV. And I'm sure Agents of Shield was pretty good. I've heard it that was pretty good, but that's different than this. It, uh, I don't even know. I'm not, yeah. I just kind of finished the show and I was like, what, what do I, what do, what matters about this? Like why, aside from the fact that it's going to change like a bunch of the stuff that happens in the movies and there's like that, there's the Doctor Strange movie that's coming out. Like, why do I care? Could, I could have watched, I didn't need to watch this. I didn't need this in my life. I didn't need to spend these six hours watching this. Like if I'm a person who's not doing this for some reason, I'm going like, okay, like what the fuck? Why? Why was I tuning in? Why am I here? And I think that's kind of something they've got to figure out how to fix. Um, HBO does it very well, but Marvel does not. Marvel does not give you a reason to watch the shows. So, I don't know. Loki was was quite disappointing for me. I, I would have liked it more if we sort of got to adventure a little bit. We got to see some things because we don't even really get to see the time branches as important as they are to the story we don't get to see these branches and it, i felt like we were going to for a little while and then we just don't we see this stupid ass purple planet and we see a fucking ren fair and we see dumbass walmart so i'm just uh I don't know. I'm just kind of disappointed by Loki. Um, But like I said, I I think What If will be pretty good. I'm excited for the movies. Shang-Chi, Doctor Strange, and The Eternals, and What If, and whatever the fuck comes after that. So, you'll hear them on this. uh, You'll hear them on this. But yeah, Loki just just was not it for me. I'm sure other people really liked it. But it, yeah, it, it was not, not at all it for me. <sighs> so I think that's it. I think that's the end of the first episode of Called Cast Beyond. Um, got a little heated in there, in the middle there, talking about Loki. So, hope that was fun for you. Hope my pain is fun. Because um, it's fun for me at times. So, howdy doody. That's high. Never mind. Two, I don't know what goodbye is in country talk. Anyway, have a good day. Go watch some, like, I don't know, get a Criterion Channel subscription. That's pretty fun. 
um, <clears throat> or like watch an HBO show. That could probably titillate you. But uh, yeah, have a good day. Have a good night. And if you're watching this, oh, I don't know what that was. Okay, goodbye.